Hey guys, welcome back to my channel. On today's video, I am going to do a little bit of an interview with my mom. Her name is Katie. I just call her mama because that's what the norm is in my culture. Hi everyone, I'm, I'm Katie. I'm Libra and uh, my moon is Pisces and the rising is Libra too. Okay, so she's a double Libra with mm -hmm. a Pisces moon. Mm. What is your Enneagram personality type? So that one, I have an Epicure, which is number seven. Okay, so her Enneagram is type seven. And we're actually going to enter her Myers-Briggs during editing because she took the Myers-Briggs personality and scored INFJ. And I just don't believe she's an INFJ. <laughs> so I feel like sometimes... My mom being a Libra, you know, multiple Libra placements, she has a tendency to shape herself to environments. And I feel like INFJ, from how I know her, is not accurate. So I'm gonna have her take it again and hopefully she'll score a more accurate score this time around. Other than that, let's get into today's questions. Mm. The purpose of today's interview is to be as authentic and vulnerable as possible, which could be hard for someone with multiple Libra placements. <laughs> but I feel like we're very different in a way where I push my mom out of her comfort zones in many ways. I wrote down very difficult questions that <laughs> kind of forces you to have difficult conversations. but. I do think that this is very, very important because when I see the content out there of like autistic content creators like me interviewing family members, it always seems like a very healthy, supportive dynamic and not everyone has that, right? So I think it's very important to be able to display a dynamic that is just different. You know, family, there's a lot of complex nuances in which we get along with each other, in which we trigger each other. And I think it's important to show that and allow a space for you guys, the viewers, to be able to relate to a dynamic like ours that may not always be perfect. We butt heads a lot. We're very, very different. There's a lot of history as well with, you know, traumatic experiences, but it doesn't mean that you don't love your family member and you don't care about them. You know, sometimes it is very gray in that sense and it's not black and white, but I digress, let's move on to the questions. I try to make it in a way where the questions in the beginning are somewhat easier and then it starts to ramp up in intensity as we go on. So be nice to my mom, she's trying her hardest. Um, be nice in the comments, be encouraging. And it took a lot for her to come on camera today. So I'm definitely very grateful for that. Okay, so were you surprised with my ADHD diagnosis? And then were you surprised later on with my autism diagnosis? Actually, I was surprised, not because you have ADHD or autism. I was surprised because you have both at the same time. And uh, I never heard of it. So it's like, it's very shocked to me. How can you have ADHD and autism at the same time? Basically, I surprised that she has both so um yeah that that makes it a little bit hard because your mind's like going to different like direction and uh, I, I guess it's pretty hard for you too uh, when you grow up yeah mm -hmm. just like a little backstory within asian culture or at least like taiwanese culture my mm -hmm. parents originally immigrated from taiwan but within our culture, being diagnosed with these types of things is not normal, let alone seeking out some sort of assessment for mental health things, developmental things. So 
it's already so rare for you know my generation of kids who were raised by immigrants to even get diagnosed and so adhd is already something that isn't very common for diagnosis even though a lot of us do live with adhd and so would you say it was even more rare for me to also be diagnosed with autism yes probably i can see some trait of uh, adhd when you were like young but i thought it just being very naughty not even think about ADHD. I thought mm, she's just naughty and uh, probably she has like her own mind doesn't listen. I mean, some kids do that. And the autism, I would just never thought about autism. Mm. Mm. Autism to me is like very severe. It's like you don't interact. There's no communication with people. I have a friend, they have a kids with autism. They literally just in very special aid class and just stay home and have all this teacher aid coming to, you know, help them, assist them. That's what I thought is like autism. It's not like you. You're like doing the normal thing. I just think you're like normal kid. Yeah. Uh-huh. And that's kind of the downside to how much we are educated about autism. My mom's not the only one, and it's not even just a cultural barrier. You know, white families, even doctors and clinicians still have that sort of mindset towards autism. I still meet doctors who are surprised to see that I'm autistic to this day. So that's why it's important for people like me to be able to have channels like this where I educate people about other types of autistic traits that are not stereotypically talked about within the spectrum of things. What was it like trying to raise a daughter with undiagnosed ADHD and autism? Basically, I treat you as a normal kid. Without diagnosis, I thought that you're very impossible. You can just throw a temper tantrum while like shopping or just uh, crying, yelling, and get angry in the car. Things like that is hard. I'm like, how come your brothers never done that? Rarely, if I ask them to stop, they'll do it. But Irene's just going crazy. But basically, she's just very, sort of very big temper tantrum. And that's how I feel like it's hard. Okay, so those are called meltdowns. Do you oh, know what that is? I, I didn't know it's meltdown. I thought you just throw temper tantrum. No, part of autism is getting very overstimulated mm-hmm. with sensory things. Mm-hmm. And when you're trying to force an autistic person who's already overstimulated to mm. do the thing that is going to overstimulate them even more, mm-hmm. you reach like a breaking point where oh. you can't seem to regulate yourself at all. Uh-huh. And you almost like panic because you just want to get out of the situation and you feel so helpless. Mm. So, do you remember the moments I would have these sort of meltdowns in childhood? Like, what would I have meltdowns over? Oh, there's many occasions I couldn't pinpoint because I took Irene to many different after class uh, programs swimming, tire parents, yeah, <laughs> dancing, painting, and a lot of other stuff. But she just couldn't do it she's always complaining it's not just complaining just crying yelling and uh, I say you're very talented teacher have very high hope for you she didn't even care she just crying so that probably continue until probably middle school around that time right so we kind of like keep like painting until high school yeah so my parents it's very common at least in the bay area we have a lot of 
immigrant population here, like Asian immigrants. And it fosters a really competitive environment. Hobbies, like she talked about, swimming, dancing, painting, they weren't just hobbies to express yourself. Like they were things that you did in order to sharpen your skill sets and win at life, basically. And it wasn't a form of expression. It was almost like this militaristic training of your child to raise them to be mm -hmm. the ultimate human being. So when my mom said swim and dance, it wasn't just swim and dance. It was competitive year round swim and dance where I would train hours and hours a day, really physically taxing things. And also swimming is very overwhelming sensory wise because how wet and cold it is and the wind, mm -hmm. it was an outdoor pool. So I remember having a lot of meltdowns around swimming because mm -hmm. it was so uncomfortable mm -hmm. physically. And with dance, it was all little girls. So it was very overwhelming with the social aspect of it. I remember being left out of all of these girl dynamics and being very confused and lonely. On top of that, it was very physically taxing. The dance teacher would ingrain a lot of social fear in us and a lot of self-hatred with like our bodies and stuff like that. And so it was very intense for me. And I couldn't put up with it like an average child who may be neurotypical. So like my mom said, I had a lot of meltdowns and I remember having a lot of moments of pushback where I just couldn't take it anymore. It went past being able to be forced into it. When it came time to middle school, I pushed back so hard to a point where my parents finally had to listen to me and say, okay, she can't function in these types of sports anymore. We can't physically force her to go to classes so there's no other choice but to like let her quit i thought you just being lazy and difficult you just want you know watch tv or play games things like that i mean an aspect of that is just wanting to be a child but i also think i was struggling with burnout already at such a young age being so overstimulated for so long consistently i was just completely burnt out and even when i was allowed to quit the sports that still took a toll on my mental health because everyone around me was telling me I was lazy and I was a failure and I was giving up and I really took that in and I let it sink into me. I let it shape my idea of myself. I was like, you know what? I am a failure. I am lazy. I am a person that gives up, but I just can't do it anymore. Even at a young age of middle school, I started to develop feelings of depression and that's also where I started to develop that chronic anxiety and trickle telemania and things like that. And now you guys could get even more of a picture of how that developed. Was I a hard child to raise? Yeah, of course. Uh -huh. Throughout your childhood, probably since even preschool, yeah, until probably high school, even college. Uh -huh. College or, yeah, in the college, I remember you changed all your outfit, your hairstyle and dye your hair blonde. I remember that your brother like married five years ago. At that time, <laughs> the way you look is like so different. I, I, I don't know how to tell. I say, I kind of feel like, Irene, can you like dye your hair back to black? And then she said, no, this is the way I want to dress to the wedding. I mean, she basically just like look completely different from what she looked like right now. It's kind of, oh God, it's shock. I, I couldn't even like communicate with you about anything. Well, with that specific thing, I feel mm -hmm. like it's an autistic trait to not be able to do something unless it makes sense. So if someone's just telling me dye your hair black and I'm like, why? 
mm-hmm. and you have no explanation as to why, then why should I do it? Why should I just listen to what you say mindlessly without any sort of logic that would make sense to me? Mm-hmm. So like, what would be a reasoning why I had to dye my hair black? And that time probably in Asian culture, it just looked like weird, embarrassing or something. But why is it weird? Um, because you have long blonde hair, with like heavy makeup and I think it's just probably in Asians mind they like that sweet looking girls but my logic is why does your hair color and makeup indicate whether or not you're a sweet person yeah probably it's kind of like superficial but at that time I kind of feel that a lot of parents attending that wedding and then other people would say something but right now, if I do it again, I won't say anything. It's just what she, you know, is. I mean, yeah. Because would you say I'm a pretty reasonable person? Like I have a good amount of logic? Um, I think it's very logical. She's a very logical and straightforward person. So if you were to be able to give me an explanation that made sense, I feel like I would have really taken that into mm-hmm. account. But yeah. because there's nothing other than, oh, black hair is normal and everyone else wouldn't judge you as much. That to me is not logic. That's just yeah socially like following something just because it's a normal thing. Uh-huh. So when raising me as a child, what did you struggle most with? We always are wrestling emotionally because I'm the main caregiver taking care of Irene, take her to all the classes, pick her up from daycare or after school class. I'm the very first person to see this emotion pour into me. I mean, she's always not very happy, very stressful. She's always done that. So yeah, basically it's the emotional part is hard for me. I used to get in trouble with teachers a lot or Mm. in any sort of school setting that had these hierarchies of teacher was in charge and then me as a child or the student had to listen, I always struggled with that dynamic and had pushback. What would you think in those moments when I would get in trouble? I was thinking, how come this happened again and again? She never grew out of it. And then um, it's very frustrating. It's not just one teacher, it's like almost every teacher. I just couldn't understand. There's always a problem here and there. I feel like this is where the autism really played in, in these ways where I had a lot of behavioral issues throughout my life. This was in elementary school, this was in middle school, this was in high school, and the only time it started to taper off a little bit more was throughout college into my adult life because when you're an adult, in society you earn this weird badge. And even then, it's not even like a full badge because now we get into like what roles you play in society. But you kind of earn a badge of like, people can't tell you what to do anymore for the most part. But as a child, everyone is telling you what to do. And as an autistic person that was undiagnosed, I was constantly in situations where people were telling me things to do and it just did not make sense to me. And it it really frustrated me that I had to just follow along and do something when it didn't make sense. And adults usually don't explain to you why they're telling you what to do. And for an autistic person, it's really important to understand why. Because what if someone tells you to jump off a bridge and you're just like, why? And they don't explain it to you. They don't say anything other than, well, if you don't jump off the bridge, you're in trouble, you know? Rather than saying, hey, jumping off the bridge helps you build character or, 
it helps you get over your fear and I'll give you a parachute or you're gonna land in somewhere safe. You're not gonna be in danger. I felt like a lot of these issues I was having with adults and teachers were basically moments where they were telling me in my mind to jump off that bridge and not explain why and just expecting me to do that. And I just didn't want to because it didn't make sense. And I would always get confused as to why other kids would just be able to so easily follow along with that logic and listening and those directions when they just didn't make sense. So uh, when you explain that, it makes sense to me. Uh -huh. I think what was always very confusing for other people to understand was that anytime someone's trying to tell me to do something or to give me feedback that might be constructive feedback, so somewhat negative, I'm always very receptive and open to it as long as they can explain to me what their logic is and explain to me why they reached their conclusion. When my mom talks about all the times where I had such adverse reactions to authority figures is literally because I was put in situations where I was being forced to do something that didn't make sense to me, that didn't feel good, that didn't feel right. And no explanation was being given other than you're a child, I'm an adult, so you have to listen to me. And the emotional part of that comes through as well because in our home, my father was very abusive towards my brothers and I, and we were constantly being forced to do things that we didn't wanna do or else we would be punished physically, verbally, like a whole thing. And so when I go to school and I'm literally experiencing the same dynamics with teachers, Sure, they're not, you know, hitting me or physically hurting me, but it's the same dynamic of you have to do this or else, or else you're in trouble or else you are a problem child or else you this, this and that. And I just felt so discouraged by this dynamic specifically throughout my whole life. This is why I just don't like school. I would say that my reactions to certain teachers were mm -hmm. very intense. Mm -hmm. Like I will say that. Mm. It wasn't like crazy for me to do that. Mm. I think it's reasonable for me to have those meltdowns, which mm. what it is what that was. There were certain moments where, for example, do you remember coming in that day and seeing all that paper? I had a meltdown, which is what had me rip up all that paper, mm -hmm. but I also had a shutdown after where I wasn't talking mm -hmm. to anyone, no matter who came in the room to comfort me. Mm -hmm. And I just was like in a corner in the room by myself, crying and mm -hmm. completely disassociated. Mm -hmm. So like, what do you remember that day going into that room and seeing that? I say, what well, what's going on? Because of course, teacher would say, Irene didn't follow the rule or something that asked her to do the work. She just refused to do it. They'll just push Irene to do it. Things like that. I mean, it's just like very simple things for them because they're asked every student to do the same thing. But I'm not sure why Irene didn't do it. It just turned out to be that. It's like big things to you. Because I guess in your mind at that time, you probably has gone through all day in school and you're very tired. You just want to have time for yourself to rest a little bit, but you don't want to do anything extra. I think those are the young teacher. They ask you, you don't want, and then back and forth. And then I think they gave you like timeout or something. She locked me in a room by myself uh -huh. and she said I could not leave until I did that homework. 
Yeah, and then they didn't even call me or anything. It's at the time that I pick you up, they said, oh, you know, uh, Irene did something bad today. She like refused to do the work. And then I said, oh, really? At that time, I didn't know, I mean, teacher is authority or something. The student need to listen to the teacher, but Irene just couldn't do it. It's very tough. I said, I'll talk to Irene at home and didn't say anything more. Yeah, that's pretty much it. I remember feeling like I wish I had more support from you. In those moments, you were always so quick to agree with the teacher and be like, she is a problem. She is causing issues. And then you would go to me and be like, what did you do? Instead of asking me what happened, mm -hmm. why were you pushed to that point? And like hold some of the teachers accountable because it is inappropriate to lock a child in a room against their will. That is completely inappropriate. And it's just sad that you weren't able to stand up for me in that moment. Yeah, I guess you probably complained to me that I didn't stand up for you in many different occasions. This is just one of the occasions. But at that point, I think I treat you as a normal kid. All the behavior, what I feel is that you're just like defined kids. Just say no to a teacher. It's not just one teacher, it's many teachers. And it's just like, why? I never thought about there's a disorder. I only think that you're very normal. I mean, you're like... Am I normal though? At that time? Because in a lot of instances, you would tell me I'm not normal. In the... Uh, I'm, you're the normal kid, but always act something uh, not normal. So That's, I'm not a normal kid. So, but I won't label you like not normal. I still think at that time that I because lack of education, for my part, I didn't know anything about like- So it's normal for a kid to rip up pieces of paper until it filled the whole room and to be screaming in the corner crying just because a teacher told them to do homework. But at that time, I, I really think that you throw temper tantrum again, like- do you think that you were just trying to willfully be ignorant because you didn't want to accept that there was something deeper that was wrong? Mm, not really. I just never thought about any disorder at that time. It's, it's not like, oh, I know some, probably something wrong with Irene. No, I just never thought of it, anything like ADHD or autism. I probably think a little bit like, Oh, probably I gave her too much like after school programs and that's probably overstimulate her. She doesn't like to do those things. She just want to, you know, have a restful day after school. I mean, so with that being said, if I was diagnosed with both as a child, would you have approached those situations differently when I would have meltdowns and problems with teachers or would it be the same? I think it would be different because if you made clear to me at that time you were like diagnosed with ADHD or autism, I'll probably cut down some classes for you because... How would I have made it clear to you? I was a child. Technically that, you were why, supposed to. That's why I, I didn't know it and, and you didn't know it. You just have all this meltdown and then I didn't even think I used the word meltdown. I only think that you like throw temper tantrum. 
you, but it was worse very defined would you agree that my temper tantrums were a lot worse than a normal child's temper tantrums they were like explosive yeah it's more yeah, so like, just so we're clear, you guys, I had meltdowns. They weren't just me pouting or throwing temper tantrums. I would full-blown be like screaming, panicking. It would be a very physical experience where even adults in those moments would be like, what is happening? This is insane. Like, we've never seen a child do that before. Mm -hmm. Which is why a lot of autistic kids who are diagnosed have to go through a lot of behavioral interventions because... Autism affects our behaviors more than anything, right? Because it affects how you function in society and how you're able to function in society. I'm sorry, you guys, if like this conversation is somewhat triggering for you guys. I just want you guys to know that I'm also a little bit triggered talking about the ways that I was brought up to be in childhood. Because as you guys can see, I, I didn't fit in. I wasn't able to function very well. So it's hard to hear that kind of stuff. Just be like gentle on yourself and take care of yourself while you listen to this. I do think that this conversation is really important to have. So I think we could all navigate it together with respect and empathy. And I also need the school teachers or after school, any teachers, they should have classes about this because if they are very well educated, if they know something's not right, not normal, they should talk to the teacher. There needs to be better education all around because it's not just the teachers or the parents this mm -hmm. has to be a collective knowledge because for children the two most prominent people in their lives are their parents and their teachers so if not one of those adults but both have to look out for these sort of behavioral or developmental indicators and be able to say something when they see it so there were so many points this is why this conversation is low-key triggering for me there are so many points where i feel like at least one teacher or even my mom could have oh. thought to themselves there's something here we need to get her to be assessed and have that conversation or a teacher to be like hey katie i know this is a difficult conversation but i see a lot of traits of adhd mm -hmm. yeah. i see a lot of traits of autism Perhaps you should look into getting her assessed and diagnosed so she could get the proper help, mm -hmm. things like that. It, it would have changed my life very drastically. Mm -hmm. It is somewhat triggering to talk about my childhood because it was so hard and not just because of my home environment, but just because I was an undiagnosed child trying to function in society that felt impossible to do and was in many instances impossible to do. So another aspect of my life that I struggled a lot with mm -hmm. was I struggled to make and keep friends. Mm -hmm. Did this worry you and why? Yeah, I noticed that you hopping from one friend group to another. This is a pattern. Every year you go to the new classroom, right? And you have a few new friends. And next year, those friends like kind of gone. And then you have new friends. And it's just keep on hopping from one group to another. Never stay with one group. You know a lot of people, but you just don't have any close contact with them. You probably can play with them, but just change your friends all the time. I kind of always say, oh, do you, you like her? You can like have friends for a long time, things like that. It's hard for me because at least you're not completely like loner. You do make friends, but um, yeah, it worried me a little bit. Mm -hmm. Why did you think I had so many issues keeping friends? 
Honestly, I don't know because I know that your brothers have a group of friends. They stay from kindergarten until college even now. But Irene just, you know, have all these different friends all the time. I didn't know what's the problem, so I don't know how to worry about this kind of pattern, this kind of behavior. I don't know what to say. It's just new to me. I wish I can be like better help at that time for you. But it's just really hard at that time. You just don't know what to do. This could be a good example of how autistic women or girls who aren't diagnosed yet, or even maybe are diagnosed, go through a lot of these issues within society that makes it harder for us because there's a lot of these social normities and expectations that stereotypically young girls and women have to abide by. Like you said, I wish I had more guidance from you. So if you're a parent watching this and you have a child that's autistic and you're doing as much research as you can to figure out how to be there for your autistic child, I know I see a lot of parents out there that are so worried and wanting to figure out how to make their child's life a little bit easier. I just want you guys to know that just doing research alone says a lot and it, it's doing a lot. and I want you guys to know that you researching and you understanding us and being able to just talk through things with us and help us figure out different ways to do different things is honestly the biggest help you could give us when it comes down to it because throughout all of these adverse moments in my life, if my mom had just had conversations with me about it or given me any sort of guidance as to like, oh, maybe you should try this out. Oh, that didn't work. Maybe try this out. That would have helped me so much with not feeling as confused or at least not feeling as alone. Just having a little bit more guidance because at the end of the day, I was a child. There's only so much you could know. But, you know, with friends and keeping them, I feel like it was hard for me to keep friends because I wasn't able to be myself around them. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't able to understand how to fit into a social dynamic unless I was completely putting on an act. Mm -hmm. So if you can imagine, that becomes tired over time mm -hmm. or if you want to be a different person you can no longer get along with a certain type of person that you had to change yourself mm -hmm. to get along with them mm -hmm. if I could visualize this if I had to turn myself yellow to get along with a group of yellow people mm -hmm. that can only last so long before I wanted to turn red mm -hmm. and be that type of person mm -hmm. if I wanted to turn red I had to like go find new people to hang out with that mm -hmm. were also red mm -hmm. yeah I think pretty much at beginning you try to make friends and um, but you kind of know is you don't fit in. How come you don't fit in? You're like pretty girl and then very talented, but what's wrong? A part of that as well is when I change groups of friends, when I first do it, it's because I like certain parts of these people that yes. could bring out certain parts of myself. Uh -huh. But as time goes on, I realize there's other parts of the dynamic yeah, that I didn't like right. and I didn't want to change myself to be that type of person. Uh -huh. I noticed that with groups of people, you have to become them mm -hmm. in every aspect. Right. And I felt like I didn't have space to just be this certain part mm -hmm. of myself around them, mm -hmm. but then also like leave certain parts mm -hmm. out. And so that's why once I would feel like I couldn't be around those people anymore, I would just move on to the next right. group right. of people. Uh -huh. So the next question is, is my bluntness hard for you to cope with in the past? And how about now? <sighs> Yeah, I guess bluntness is like very directly talking to you about certain things. Irene was a very <laughs> direct person. Since I'm, I was a kid? <laughs> yes. You just express like you have the, all this 
if you're not happy, you have all this outbursts and then you're very loud. And even now, you, when you talk to me, you give me that kind of, I don't know, to me it's like poker face. <laughs> flat affect. Yeah, I don't know. It's that like, means your, your facial expression is kind of flat. Your body is kind of just flat and your tone of voice is flat. I'm like, whoa, can you, can you give me some sort of like smile when you ask me questions? question? It's a lot to me because I thought that's a little bit uh, disrespectful. After she, her diagnosis, I know that's how she function. Then I'm fine right now. And then we get things done fast, make decisions fast. There's no like, you feel bad, I feel bad or anything. Because your face is like, looks so, yeah, it's not, I'm okay with you right now. It's just probably other people say, wow, you, you look so mean or something. I oftentimes find that when other women talk to me, even some men, I could tell what they're trying to get at, mm. but they'll say something else. Imply. Like an implication. They'll say like a comment or ask a question when in reality, for example, they want to say, hey, can you wash dishes? But instead, they'll say things like, oh, I feel tired sometimes when I'm the only one washing dishes or, oh, when are we going to get the dishwasher fixed? And there's so many times where I'll just be like, do you want me to wash the dishes? Is that what you're trying to get at? And I feel like with people that are around me more often, it's very jarring at first. Uh -huh. Is it very, how would you describe when I just get to the point? Probably a lot of people don't like that. I mean, this is like very rude or something. But um, since I know you, I'm like okay with that kind of tone of voice. Your tone of voice is like so rude. I mean, I'm like, oh. Why is it seen as rude? Because you don't have any facial expression and then you're staring at me. I'm like, okay, what's wrong? I mean, why you look at me like that? It's just interpretation thing. So the next question is, did you ever wish I would be more normal or I fit in more? When you were young, I thought you were just normal girl. I never thought anything like not normal, but you have this anger. There's anger every day. After school, there's like class almost every day. And if there's like competition, your anger get more and more. And then you're kind of like triggered or something. You get very angry. I wish you not do that. So what I got from that is you wish I would just listen to what you told me to do and what you're forcing me to do more easily. I won't say it's forcing. Parents always think it's better for you, it's best for you. During those years, you're like angry every day. Whenever I say, oh, there's a meet or competition, and then she'll start getting like this anger, anxious. And I was overstimulated, overwhelmed. Yeah. So, and I didn't feel like my parents would listen to me. I knew you guys were going to force me to do something I didn't want to do regardless. So mm -hmm. yeah, I was angry. It was more so just like very overwhelmed and very mm -hmm. helpless. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I couldn't ever get out of anything or be listened to unless I had these huge outbursts. And it's not even that I wanted to have the outbursts. It's like, I had no other choice. I guess uh, what I want is probably just be more accommodating, more like yes to some of those things that I asked you to do. Do you think I would have been no? more accommodating if you had been more accommodating? Um, so. Yeah, I feel like I was never accommodated for. Mm. I felt like I was constantly being forced to do things against my will by my parents, by my teachers, by everyone. Mm. 
I didn't know that at that time. I thought you just like such a defined child, like always say no to everything. Yeah. What are moments in your life that I've exhibited strength for you or supported and helped you? Before I got divorced, because at that time I couldn't make up my mind. I'm like struggling. And this, this is like big thing you have. There's a lot of things to do. I think uh, Irene always say you can do it. And things like that, that helped me a lot. I mean, I wasn't really saying you can do it. Near the end, I said you have to do it. Yeah, you have to do it. Both of you are not happy. And why don't you guys just separate? And then um, you guys can seek for your happiness. Yeah, so when I was a junior in high school, I think, I was basically alone with my parents. My parents were very unhappy together and I was in the middle all the time. At some points, my mom was even sleeping in my room in my bed with me. There'd be nights where my dad would lock her out of the house, things like that. And I had to stay awake to make sure I opened the door for her when she got home, things like that. And so I feel like in those moments, having an autistic person is very grounding because I kind of just go to what matters. That extended during arguments, I would kind of be able, my parents are both Libras, so you can imagine their arguments lasted for hours and never got to the point. So I would always be there to like ground it back to the main points and be like, what are you guys arguing about? Because just talk about that. Or when it came down to it, I said, you guys are not happy, divorce, it's that simple. I feel like having an autistic person be able to cut through all the BS and just get to the point is really helpful. Would you say autistic empathy is different than other types of empathy that we're used to seeing and experiencing? Wow, this is a very difficult question. Autistic person is more like, okay, I know you have this problem, I'm here. I feel how you feel. Somehow like divorce, she also suggests what I can do with the autistic person. That person probably will give you solution. I would agree, you know, not saying all autistic people are only solution based with how mm -hmm. they empathize, but it is a common thing I do see with my autistic clients and also myself. What it is, is that we see why certain behaviors, habits, and ways of doing things make you feel a certain way. And if we feel like it's attached to the issue you're talking about, when we offer solutions or we offer suggestions, it's basically saying, hey, you say you feel bad, these are the reasons why. Mm -hmm. So if you target these reasons, then you won't feel bad anymore or you won't feel as bad, or at least you'll give yourself a chance to grow out of feeling bad. Mm -hmm. And it's our way of understanding you. Whereas I feel like a lot of the times with neurotypical holistic people, they're more so the type to empathize with you without offering any sort of help or suggestions, which some people would prefer that. But I feel like for neurotypical people, they can empathize without understanding is what I'm ultimately trying to get at. Whereas autistic people, in order for us to empathize, we have to like understand, be in your shoes, experience everything you're trying to describe, mm -hmm. which can be very overwhelming, mm -hmm. which is why we also get so invested in trying to offer solutions and to help you. Mm. What are valuable lessons you've learned about yourself through our differences? I think I'm always talk with implication, probably a little bit passive aggressive too. So I won't directly talk about the problem, but 
I would say something like around it, not go to the problem directly. Because sometimes I feel that if I talk directly, I would hurt that person or something. And be able to be like more direct. And uh, I, I don't take any like, It got kind of like off topic near the end there. Oh. Because I don't know how you learned that from me. The valuable lesson I've learned throughout differences is that I'm able to be more direct talking to people and that made me feel good. So I don't have to overthink of things and then um, make things complicated. Is there anything you want to say to other mothers or parents out there who have an autistic child in their life that they're raising? If you have a young kid showing all this behavior, the earlier the better looking for the professional help. Go from there and then parents themselves can find a lot of information regarding all these topics online or through YouTube. For the parents uh, who have adults, you just have to make sure to accept it. It's not like, oh, I don't believe that you have this, that kind of attitude. Just accept it and then talk to your kids about it and then hopefully provide an environment that is not too much nagging or something. You, you have to let it go. And then again, you have to be educated about how to handle your kids. If you're a parent of an autistic adult who is later diagnosed with autism, a good way to go about that is to just be open to learning about autism and learning about your child's certain spectrum because they're a full-blown adult by now so they should be able to explain to you what their autism means and just be open to learning about it. Ask them questions. You can never offend someone by just asking questions, especially us. If anything, it creates good conversation and a learning experience. But yeah, other than that, thank you mom for oh, being in welcome. today's video. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah. <laughs> Was it hard? It was hard, but I kind of like give myself saying, oh, okay, if I have to do it, I have to do it. I don't want to overthink about it. I know last year you asked me to do it. I kind of like say no, no. <laughs> but this year I say, oh, um, okay, just give me some time to prepare it. Then I'm okay. Yeah. Yeah, because I feel like you care too much about how people perceive you. Uh, I know, you. but now I'm like, oh, whatever. <laughs> okay, that's good. Well, anyways, you guys, I hope you enjoyed today's video. I hope you guys learned something new about us and about yourselves. Be mindful of yourselves. Be mindful of each other. Be nice in the comments. Thank you guys for being a part of my community, and I will see you guys on the next video. Bye. Bye.